0: How many wanna know his heart? Boy, I just, I, I thank God for times of refreshing. I just gotta get organized here for a moment. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take your chair, Betty. Okay, I don't wanna make you nervous. Don't Please, don't sit down. Don't sit down. <laughs> Let me get all situated here. Get my props today. I've had two weeks, actually three weeks, to think about this message. It's going to be good. When I go somewhere, I want to get there as quick and as fast and as easy as possible. How many know what I'm talking about? When we go on long trips, like last summer we went to a wedding down in Lynchburg. I like to be on the road at least for a good two, two and a half hours before the sun rises. That's just I like to get there. I like to get before the traffic. I, I just I just want to go. What I find so amazing is you know how kids can hold their bladder forever when they're home playing? But as soon as you go on a trip and they're in the car, mom, dad, yes, Aaron. There's something about me, and you'll learn a lot about me today, which probably at the end you'll say, we got to pray for Pastor Moore. I just want to go and get there. The first day of vacation, we started on a Tuesday, and it didn't start off on the best note. We, we had to put our little buddy Nathan down, our dog of 12 years down. He had lost three pounds over three months, and I could just tell he was sick. We, he was in diapers all the time. And, and how many know that that doesn't make to start off a good vacation? Yeah, that, I mean, that's my wife's buddy, and, uh, well, I can say now I have one goal in life that I have finally met. I've always wanted to be petless, so now I'm, I'm petless. Uh, don't please, you know, I say, that, I, I say that very cautiously because I know how some of you are. Next week, someone's going to come in with a bag with a goldfish in it and give it to me. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't like sushi, but I'll, I'll eat it real quick. Uh, I, I, I have reached my goal of being petless, even though we missed the guy. The second day was one of those days where, you know, the reality sits in. We're just sitting around, and, you know, you're getting rid of items. And it was just, you know, I'm like, okay, we, we got it. this is vacation. So I said, tomorrow we're going to go down to Ocean Grove before we go to Cape May for a couple days. We're, we're going to go down to Ocean Grove. And every Saturday we go to Ocean Grove. I, I like to get in the car by, six, by 7.30, and it's a 20-minute trip to Ocean Grove. We always stop at the Dunkin' Donuts there in Neptune for, to get breakfast, and we're out on our bench at, at Ocean Grove every Saturday at about 8 o'clock. That's, that's just how it runs. On a Thursday, I'm thinking, man, there won't be as much traffic. You know, it's, it, we'll be able to get parking easily. We won't have to rush as much much. That Thursday, the third day of our vacation, now remind you, when I go somewhere I like to get there as quickly and as easy as possible, it took us 50 minutes to get to Ocean Grove. There was construction on 33 by a new development. The Collingswood Circle was backed up all the way to JB's Diner. I'm sitting there and, and I think in pictures I'm sitting there, my wife's driving, and, and I'm just sitting there. I just visualize all the cars that it's getting later backing up at the drive-thru at the Dunkin' Donuts, which means it's only going to prolong us even longer to get our breakfast, even to get to the beach. So we finally get past Jersey Shore Hospital, and I see the line there at the Dunkin' Donuts backing up to the road. And I said, sure enough, and I'm sitting there, my wife goes, what's wrong? I go, oh, Nothing. Meanwhile, as was are sitting in line at Dunkin' Donuts, all I'm visioning is all the parking spaces taken up at Ocean Grove, block by block. And I have it in my mind that when we get there, we're going to have to park at least four blocks away, which is even going to prolong even longer the time we get to the beach. I just want to get there. How many can I identify with what I'm saying? How many are going to now start praying for me? in this journey we call life there are times we just have to put on the brakes and slow down now probably some of you are wondering okay don't have us hanging any longer what happened when you got there we get the ocean grove she's riding down to the beach Less than a half a block away, a car pulls out, she pulls in and parallel parks. What am I saying? There's sometimes a lot of things we worry about, they don't even happen. And over this time of being away, I have learned that vacation for me has really become a spiritual retreat. Now, I know we're all different, and when people go on vacation, they like to sightsee, like to go to new places, like to visit. Not me. We park the car on Monday. We don't get into it until Friday when we come home. I get up at 6 o'clock. I go down and get my coffee. I either go to the beach or I sit on the porch. And I have an extended devotional time that will usually last from 6.30 to about 9 o'clock. Heather will get up when she feels like it. She'll walk. She'll get ready for the beach. She'll get our breakfast sandwiches. And she'll meet me down at the beach With our breakfast sandwiches at nine o'clock, but from literally from six thirty to nine o'clock, it's my extended devotion time where I pray, I read, I ponder, and I reflect. And it's just like a spiritual renewal. I can't do that every day because my schedule doesn't permit it. But on schedule, what else on vacation? What else do I have to do? It's real simple. After breakfast, I get my paper, I do my Sudoku, I do my jumble, I do the cryptogram. I sit there, and I'll do the word find, and then I'll try the crossword puzzle. And, and after about a half hour working on the crossword puzzle, I get about four answers. And I get so frustrated, and I'm saying, this is vacation. You don't need to be frustrated. I give the crossword puzzle to Heather. Five minutes later, she finishes it. And you know how that makes you feel. I take a walk on the beach, eat break- lunch, take another walk, take a nap do some recreational reading by 4.30. We get off the beach, shower, eat, and go to bed by 8.30, and I'm up at 6 o'clock for my devotional period again. That's what I like to do. And what I want to share with you over the next four weeks is a little mini-series from my summer ponderings, and we're having technical difficulties, so i got to look this way today. Putting on the Brakes. Today I want to talk about putting on the brakes in order to clear the clutter. Hebrews 2.1 tells us, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked before us. Please note, Before you advance, before you proceed, before you run in this journey called life, Paul says, the writer to the Hebrews says, there's something you must do first. You have to cast off, get rid of the clutter, get rid of the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. Next week, we're going to take a look at how we need to put on the brakes to pause and to listen. Pause and to listen. Then we're going to take a look at how we need to put on the brakes in order to be quiet and learn. And in the fourth week of this mini-series, we're going to take a look at how we need to put on the brakes so we can get alone alone. And release what is hindering. So that's where we're going over these next few weeks. And and you may be wondering to yourself. How how does all this come about? One of the things I love to do is. I I just love to sit at the water's edge. And look out. And as I look out. All I can think about is I wonder what's going on underneath. You ever wonder that, Anthony? You you just wonder what's going on underneath. There's something that's fascinating about the deep. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was invited by a man to go out on his boat to go do some ocean fishing. And before I know it, We are 40 miles offshore in waters about 90 feet deep. And I'm looking around, and I see nothing. And then he proceeds to tell me, because of the curvature of the world, there are still people who believe the world is round, not just flat. He says, they say you can see for 13 miles. So I look 13 miles to the north and don't see anything. I look 13 miles to the east, I don't see anything. I look 13 miles to the south and don't think any. I look 13 miles to... To the west, and I don't see anything. In my peripheral vision, I'm thinking, man, I'm seeing 26 miles north and south, 26 miles south and east, and I don't see anything. And all of a sudden, he says, hey, did you see that? I go, did you see what? He said, you see that movement in the water over there, that fin, that, that's a whale. He says, man, the ocean really comes alive when you get out this far. I go, I hope it doesn't come too alive. <laughs> and all I'm thinking about is the deeper the water the bigger the fish. And I got my line down there and all of a sudden I'm getting these tugs and, and I, I got something and I'm wheeling it up, reeling it up and it's a little sea robin about this big. <laughs> the ocean floor must be crawling with sea robins. As I think about the deep there's something intriguing about the deep. And, and as I was thinking, I remember what Job said about the deep. Remember Job when he was going through his trials? And he's three comforters, his three friends with friends like that. You know, how do you need enemies? But Zophar said this to Job. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits Of the Almighty. They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? And Job responded with these words. He reveals the deep things of darkness. He brings deep shadow into the light. Paul said it this way. The spirit searches All things, even the deep things of God. Without a doubt, the Lord operates in realms that are far beyond our ability to comprehend those mysteries. But I believe. He longs for us to explore and to, be, and to experience that which is, is, is not just surface. That which is not just obvious. But I believe the Lord invites us to experience and to explore the depth of his inner nature. Right when I came back from vacation, I posted on Instagram... You, you what, pastor? I, I bypassed my space and Facebook and went right to Instagram. And I want to thank my 23 friends who are following me. Seriously, Instagram, I mean, church has Instagram. You've got to see what's going on on in Instagram. This, and, and I know a, a lot of you aren't my friends. You don't follow, so you don't miss my posting. But I want to show you my posting. Here's my posting. These are my Kate May treasures. A lot of you know how I just like to beach comb and find shells. Shells were not plentiful this year, but I got this idea. I I found shells, and I said I can drill a hole, I'll take gold leaf paint and trim around the edges, I'll shellac them, and I'll make Christmas tree ornaments. And I have this little Christmas tree in our hallway, it's about this high, I collected 70 shells, and I'm gonna have this whole theme this Christmas in seashells on this tree, isn't that cool? My Christmas Cape May treasures. Now, store was selling them for $18 a piece. Do the math. 18 times 70. I I could almost retire. But I want to uh, share with you a deeper treasure. One morning, I'm sitting on the beach... And during my devotion time, I start, we we sang holy ground. I started singing the other song, we are standing on holy ground. Because to me, man, it's just it's holy there. And I thought to myself, what is holy ground? What is holy ground? ground that is holy well what makes ground holy it's it's God but one of the best ways of learning is to ask questions and I kept asking myself what is holy ground so I remembered where it appears in scripture in Exodus chapter 3 Moses is attending the flock of his father-in-law and he sees a bush that is on fire, but it's not being consumed. He must have saw a bush and saw that it was burning and turned away and saw it again and it wouldn't go out. It just kept burning. It, it's burning, but it's not being consumed and, and he's confused. So what does he do? He, he goes to investigate. I will go over and see this strange sight why this bush does not burn up he's going seeking answers to something he doesn't understand and as he gets closer what does god do stop god says do not come any closer and what does god give him take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me what holy ground is. God gives us holy ground when we are confused, when we are searching and seeking for answers. You you may be going through something right now, and it's like, God, why is this happening? And the more you pray, the more distant he seems, the more confused you are as to why this is happening, and you don't have an answer. Moses never got an answer as to why that bush wasn't being consumed. But God, in Moses' Moses uh, confusion, God gave him what? Holy ground to stand on. You may have been praying for years for your spouse, your family members to be saved. And, and, and you don't see a- a- any signs of them getting saved. And, and you're like, why, God, why? And in the midst of your confusion and you're asking and you're not understanding, I want you to know God gives you holy ground to stand on that you can t- continue to trust in him, even though you might not know why. Holy ground God gives to us in times of confusion when we don't know why. And God just says, stand on it and trust in me. Hey, I admit there are some things that God will not permit to show us until, the other, until this, uh, this other side of heaven. But those are the times he gives you holy ground to stand on. It was a week ago Wednesday, I get up, I, first thing I do is always peek out and it's overcast, it's cloudy and I'm like, Ugh. go down and get my cup of coffee. I said, man, it's so foggy, you can't even be on the beach, you're not even going to see the water. I, 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 I sat on the, the porch of the hotel where we stay at, this place we stay in, it's just a very comfortable place. And in my ponderings, I asked, "What do you want?" You ever ask that? What do you really want?" What What is your desire?" And thinking of how intrigued I am by the deep and that there's got to be more and and God invites us out into the deep, this answer becomes easier as I get older. Lord, I really, in life, I just want to know you more. And I started to think of my favorite book in the New Testament, the book of Philippians, where Paul says, I want to know Christ. Now, I, I want to pause for a moment. I remember 42 years ago, being 17 years old, I would go to this Bible study in Long Valley, New Jersey. A group of young people from our church had it there in Long Valley. It was at the home of of Dave Fisher's house. And we would go to his home and all the young people would sit around. And, And I can remember, just like it was yesterday, getting into my 1971 Ford Torino with red leather interior. Remember the days of rolling down the window... Starting it up, putting on the 8-track. And sitting next to me is my layman's parallel Bible. What made this Bible so special, it was four Bibles in one. As a young person walking into a Bible study, carrying four Bibles, man. (laughs) I haven't used this in years. I pulled it out. just keep it as memory. What's so cool is I told Hope. I pulled out an outline of one of my first sermons I ever preached. (laughs) We'll save that for another Sunday. The King James, the modern language, the living Bible, and the revised standard. I remember that. Because as I'm sitting there on the porch, I'm just saying to myself, man, I, I, I wish I, I was at home. Because I, I want to look in my new English Bible. I, I want to look in my, my Amplified Bible. I, I want to look at my Good News Bible. I want to look at my, my, my uh, message, Eugene Peterson's Message Bible. I, I want to look at the New American I want to see how they translate, I want to know Christ. And all of a sudden, duh, it dawned on me right In my hand is electronic advice that all I have to put in is gatewaybible.com and I have 150 versions of the Bible. There's some things you gotta love about modern technology. Isn't that amazing? I mean, years ago I had a, could you imagine a Bible of 150 different variations? And it fits right in the palm of your hands. And I started to call up the different Bibles, translations, and paraphrases that I like, and I get to the amplified. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively, and I love that word progressively because it's never instant, isn't it? It's always a process that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power overflowing from his resurrection which, is, which it exerts over believers. And that I may share his sufferings. I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed. I may share his sufferings as to be continually transformed. Never forget the trials, the adversities, the valleys, the the sufferings that we do go through. It does have a purpose. It brings about a transformation in spirit into his likeness, even his death. Wow! Wow! I'm like, all that from, I want to know him? And I'm just chewing, meditating, thinking, and I'm like, man, I, 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 this, I need to break this down, and this is how I broke it down. Paul's determined purpose. His determined purpose is that I may know him, but not just know him, but know him progressively, becoming more deeply. There's the word. That's the key word. I'm intrigued by the deep, more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving, recognizing, understanding, continually transformed, and we keep going deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden, I said, Lord, this is my desire. And I started to think, in that single sentence, could anything on earth be more important for a child of God than to have the der- der- determined purpose to become more intimately acquainted with Christ. And then I realized, it's great to have desire, isn't it? Isn't it wonder to have desire? But behind desire, there's got to be action. You can desire something all you want, but at some time, you have to take action. And this is the last point, the discipline. This is where we need to clear out the clutter. Growing up in Califon, we had this neighbor clue number one: he never parked his car in the garage. Now, please don't take offense about what I 'm going to say, but one of my goals is to be petless. Another goal is to have a garage i don 't understand how people have a garage and they don't park their car in the garage, especially in the wintertime when you got to scrape and brush off the snow I, I just I just I just want a garage. And I don't understand how people have garages and don't park the cars in it. But one day he had his garage door open and I realized how come he didn't park his car in the garage. There was no room. I I mean, right to the back of uh, where the door came down were boxes from the floor to the top. And, and all, there was just this one little space that you couldn't go through this way. You had to go through this way. And, and then there was this little, another, you could go this way down to the other end. And then you had to come back. And then you had to go this way again. And then when you got down to the end, you had to go this way again. And then this way to get to the door to go into his back porch. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness. When I, in 1912, I was 1972, I was 12 years old. He went away and he asked, he says, Jeff, can you take care of my cats? Sure, no problem. He had his back porch. He had the little pane that was open. The cat's going in now. He said, I'll put some food out on the, the porch. And he says, if you run out, you can go down in the basement. You just go into the back door. Of course, we, back in 1972, we never locked our doors. Remember those days? And he ran out of cat food. I, I, I remember going in the back door, going down the basement steps. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I thought the garage was bad. Literally. I mean, what's beyond hoarding? Newspapers, magazines, floor to ceiling. I'm just going and it's like a maze down there. I thought I'd get lost and never get out. There comes a time when if we want to progress and go deeper, you got to get rid of the clutter. Clutter. Now, this is easy for me because if I don't use something within a year, I get rid of it. If I don't wear it in a year, I get rid of it. If I don't use it, I get rid of it. It's simple. That's how you keep the clutter cleaned. But here's the confessions of a pastor. Lord, I'm intrigued by the deep. And I have a desire. I want to go deeper with you than clean the clutter. I get so exhausted. And I do a terrible job at maintaining a healthy balance between work, devotion, emergencies, appointments, unexpected appointments, family time, physical rest, outside ministry involvement, community involvement, recreation. That the desire to go deeper, when I take a look at all my responsibilities and schedules, it's like I want to. You know, like Paul, Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. Oh, what a wretched man I am. And I'm sitting there this Wednesday morning during this time wanting to go deeper. And, and I thank God for the, this, but what am I going to do when you go back and you sit there and in and, and your hour devotion, all you can think about is what you got to do next for the day? And you're not on vacation anymore. There's an awesome verse in Ecclesiastes, especially in the good news. I'm going to give it to you in the good news. Listen to what Solomon said. God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. There comes a time when you've got to clear the clutter. One of the things that makes us more complicated is the advertising world. The advertising world only has one goal. To make you feel discontent. That never is enough. You need it bigger and better. And you need more. Enough is enough. And then to help complicate things, you have technology which you think technology was expected to make life simpler, but it's made life more complex because you're always expected to be available. Remember buying a car? You used to go and buy a car. You signed a deal. Three days later, you would arrange to pick it up after all the licensing and uh, the registration, and all that had been completed. Now you buy a car, and because of the technology and, and, and how fast it is, two, later, two hours later, you're driving it out. And with the fastness of the internet, it enlarges the expectations, which multiplies the pressure. And if you can't keep up, then you'll lose out to your competitor. It places unrealistic expectations and quotas to fill. Where more is never enough, you got to do more. And to relax is never an option, or you may lose your edge. Solomon was absolutely correct. We have made ourselves very complicated. And how fitting are the words of Paul to the church at Corinth. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning. Your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotions to Christ. And then for goodness sakes you got social media. Hey did you see where so and so went? How come we never go anywhere? Did you see what so and so are doing? How come we never do anything? And all of a sudden, there's this discontent. There's this unhappiness to fill our lives and be so complicated. And then when the possibility of the preacher even saying about going deeper, Pastor, man, I don't have the time to go deeper. I I can't even handle the things I have now. Being content is a byproduct of simplicity. And boy, we've made ourselves very complicated today, haven't we? It's never easy to get rid of the clutter, is it? But it's essential. And one of my ponderings over vacation is, is you want to go deeper? Yeah, Lord. I'm intrigued by the deep. God, I want to go deeper with you. Got to get rid of some of the clutter. Where do I start, Lord? You ever pray a prayer that you wish you never prayed? (laughs) Where do I start, Lord? And the Lord answered the prayer through a prayer. An old Puritan prayer. Now, I know that we don't normally read prayers or read prayers out loud, but there's a prayer I've been praying every day, and I want you to pray it with me. It goes like this. Can you read it out loud with me? When thou wouldest guide me, I control myself. When thou wouldest be sovereign, I rule myself. When thou wouldest take care of me, I suffice myself. When I should depend on thy providing, I supply myself. When I should submit to thy providence, I follow myself. When I should study, honor, and trust thee, I serve myself. I fought and correct thy laws to suit myself. Instead of thee, I look to man's approval and am by nature an idolater. Lord, it's my chief design to bring my heart back to thee. First place in clearing the clutter starts with the eye, taking you off the throne and putting God back. You want to go deeper? You got to clear the clutter, put on the brakes, and clear the clutter. Next week, you want to go deeper? You got to put on the brakes. You got to stop. You gotta listen. Would you pray with me?